podcast. I'm still your host, Sean Holland, and our guest on today's show is Jared Willis. And he's um, at jwillis on Twitter, J-W-Y-L-L-Y-S, the traditional spelling. Uh, Jared is a, also a writer at Cubs Den. He uh, is an editor at BP Wrigleyville, and he's now a contributor to the Sporting News, which I will ask him about in this interview. Um, well, we discussed a few things, the state of the Cubs, as always, the demotion of Kyle Schwarber to AAA, and we speculate on hopefully he would do good in his, when he first went to AAA, and well, as of this recording, he went one for four last night in his first AAA game with three strikeouts, but he did get a hit, so, and then we talk a little bit about his work for the Sporting News, including an article he did on the Colorado Rockies. You can now subscribe to Holy Cow on iTunes, and you can also rate it. So just look for Holy Cow Cups Podcast on iTunes, and if you rate it, then I know people are listening to it, so that helps me. Anyway, let's get to our interview with Jared Willis. So I guess we'll start with, uh, you know, we keep waiting for the Cubs to go on this long streak and just tear off a bunch of wins, and... It's just not happening. And what do you think is the problem? Um, well, I think they've got a, a few different things that are coming together um, to work against them. It's kind of like they're they just can't get out of their own way right now. Um, between injuries to some key players and defense that's been a lot more sloppy than it was last year, that's that's causing them a lot of trouble. And you know, you also have an offense of really young guys who you know the league is is adjusted to, and they're working to adjust back and. It's a struggle. I don't think anybody expected them uh, to come into this season and still be sitting barely above 500 as we look ahead to July. But the nice thing is, is they're still very much in reach of winning the division. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like you keep waiting for this breakout to happen. Yeah. You like they haven't had one like hot stretch, really hot stretch the whole year. No. And it's like, like coming into this series, you're thinking this has got to be the time. This is the one that's going to happen. And then a game like today happens again with tons of guys left on base. It just doesn't seem to be happening. When really, you, when you think about that, you think about the the error in the first inning that allowed three runs to score. And you take away one of those things. And the Cubs easily, you know, very easily could win. And you're talking about a series win. And in a four-game road series, that's really hard to do. Um, and they were very very close to making that happen. So I think that, I mean, today is just a microcosm of what they've been all season. They're, the opportunities are there. Everything is, is sort of laid out for you, and they just don't jump on it. Exactly. It just feels like it's, it's just very frustrating, especially with how good we know this team could be, that they just seem can't get that, they can't get it all together at once. There's always something that goes wrong. And, and especially when Addison Russell is finally starting to hit and it looks like the bat's coming around and then you, then today he's got to leave the game early and he's got shoulder issues again. And it's it's like, you know, they just keep stumbling and, and they just can't get everything firing all at once. Now, with that said, though, 
knowing that it's, you know, it's a bunch of little things like this that are going wrong. All you need in August or September is for all of those things to finally come together and really start clicking all at once. And, and they could really go on a tear because you forget that in 2015, when they won 97 games, they, I mean, they were crazy good in, in September. Um, and so, so much of what happened that season was a product of the month of September. So we could very easily, I mean, not that they're going to win 97 games again, but um, at the end of this season, they could win the division, you know, with a, a decent lead. And all it's going to take is a couple of things that have gone wrong to start to go right. Yeah, that's exactly. It's not, it's not like there's that much that, that can, like, if a few things go right, like you said, it could all happen. And, and, um, and I think, like, sometimes, you know, people overreact and they say, well, we got to do this or trade these guys. And, you know, you can't, you look at that roster and there's just not much you can change about it, um, realistically change about it to make them that much better. And so that's part of the frustration, I think, is you look at them and you say, this is basically the same team that won the World Series and 103 regular season games last year. What's, what is going on? Um, yeah, exactly. So, but again, it's we could be feeling very differently post All Star break if if things finally start to click together. Yeah, and like you were saying, in 2015, they were basically at 500 through the middle of right. the year, and it just all at once came together. And so. it didn't bother us then because the expectations weren't there. Um, the big difference now, of course, being coming into this season, everyone's thinking, ah, oh, they're going to win 100 games again, back-to-back World Series, and they still could go on to win the World Series again. But um, expectations were so much different coming into this season than they were 2015. But I think that's a good parallel. Look at the 2015 team, look at this year. And so far, a lot of things are similar. It's just a matter of how it turns out. Yeah, speaking of things that showed up in the middle of 2015. Um, Kyle Schwarber, of course, as we've, as has been talked about a lot, was optioned to AAA on Friday. And um, I was just wondering what your opinion is on the move. I think they had reached a point where they had to do something. Um, And the right answer was not just to sit him because he needs to get out there and he needs to hit every day. And he needs to hit every day in an environment where he's not impacting the team in such a negative way. Um, Because I'm sure he puts a lot of pressure on himself, um, thinking that he needs to be such a catalyst for the offense. And so I I think it's the right move. And so it may just take a few games in Iowa or a week or so um, for, for him to get some of that pressure off and feel like he's, he's got to swing back and, and who knows, maybe he could be a, end up being, ironically, a big part of the reason why they go on a tear um, when he comes back. Yeah, and it's kind of ironic because earlier in the year, I'm, I know you were in those too. We were, I was always on Twitter making the comments because people were, wanted Schwarber to go to AAA, and I was always making snide remarks and stuff because I thought, he doesn't need to go to AAA. He's just in a slump early on. But now you look at him, it's like, well... It got to the point where, yeah, he it was more than just like a month-long slump. Yeah. It was getting to the point where he had to get to AAA. Yeah, something was was very, very, you know, something had gone very wrong. Um, I think it's enough of 
you're trying to make something happen. You're trying to do something. You widen your zone. He's, he was getting beat on a lot of high fastballs and things like that. Um, and and I think they gave him enough time. He had earned enough trust um, to get more time than most hitters would get hitting like he was. But, you know, the guy's so skilled at the plate that it's hard to believe that he's just not going to figure this out. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask, too, is, a big part of this debate in the past couple of days has been, is this a mental break that he's taking or is it a mechanical issue that needs to be changed? And over time, most people thought, well, if it was a mechanical issue, it would make more sense to send him to AAA than it would be for a mental issue. But what do you think? I think it's a little bit of both. And I know that maybe that's kind of a cop-out answer because I'm not picking one way or the other. But I think it just makes sense that he has, he's got both of those things going against him right now. You know, like I said just a minute ago, the mental pressure of feeling like you've got to be a part of carrying that offense, especially on a team that's struggling to win consistently. So you've got that. And then your mechanics, I think, can start to start to fail you when the mental side of it influences the way you approach, you know, influences your approach at the plate. And like I said, you expand your zone a little bit. Maybe you're not, um, you know, your swing isn't quite right. You know, we've seen those kinds of things before. So I do think one probably led to the other, meaning the mental side of it has, has impacted his mechanics. But I think he's going there to work on both of those things. Yeah, and it's kind of, you know, I read an article. I even think I put it in one of the things I put on Cubs Den about Jason Hayward. And he was talking about, when the Braves made him a leadoff hitter, and I think it was 2013 that yeah. he said it put a lot of pressure on him and it changed the way he bat, he hit. And then I, when I read that, I was thinking, could this be something that affected Schwarber? And this was like a month ago yeah. when I read it, but it, it's been weighing on my mind since. And I think that's a, a worthy thing to consider um, because the Cubs really have not had a true leadoff presence this year. You know, the Rizzo thing's been fun. But no one honestly thinks he's going to stay at leadoff all year. I don't think that's where he's best suited to hit. Um, but it makes sense that, you know, especially as somebody like Schwarber, who had had a very small number of plate appearances in the majors, who gets put in this, this role where he's the very first guy up to the, up to the plate. Um, and going into the season, on paper, it looks like, and you got Schwarber, Bryant, Rizzo, the first three spots in the order. I mean, how brutal is that for an opposing pitcher? Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, it didn't turn out that way. But I, I absolutely think there's got to be something mentally to, I'm the leadoff hitter. It's on me to get things started. And if I strike out or if I hit a weak grounder and get out at first, you know, I've, I've failed. Um, and I don't know that that's what was going through Schwarber's head. But, I'm, you know, I'm just... You know, I'm just speculating, but it makes sense to me that that would put an added pressure which could negatively impact somebody. Yeah, it it does. It makes sense. But I guess we'll figure out if he goes down there and starts raking right away and they bring him back up, or if it's a longer process, I guess we'll find out. It should be his first game with Iowa because they were returning from a road trip. Um, So it would be a good idea tomorrow to keep an eye on the Iowa box score. Yeah, yeah, might be a good thing to look at. So, um, anyway, moving on, I wanted to talk about this, like, um, 
couple days ago because, you know, behind the scenes a little bit, we were going to do this on Friday, but then we moved it to Sunday. But anyway, we saw Mike Montgomery pitch again today, and he pitched pretty good again, I thought, other than obviously the first inning problems, but he pitched five scoreless innings after that, and I might be in the minority, but I've always been of the belief that I think um, Montgomery should be a full-time starter. And a lot of people disagreed, but I think this pitching performance of the last couple starts is proving my point. But what do you think? I, I actually agree with you. Um, I wrote something for BP Wrigleyville back in November, not too long after the season's ended, um, advocating for Mike Montgomery as a starter. And at the time, I think there was a lot more disagreement because a lot of people saw you know, him as the left-handed long reliever in the bullpen, which makes sense too. But I think you can't look at what he's done in his last four starts or so and make a very strong argument against him as a starter. Um, it does negatively impact the bullpen because I don't think you want Brian, Brian Dunsing as your only lefty in the pen. You can't, can't get away with that for very long. Um, yeah, that might not be sustainable. Right, so that means you've got to do something else so that you can fill that role with somebody who's a little more reliable. Um, and so without that in consideration, I think it's hard to make an argument against Mike Montgomery in the rotation. Now, when Brett Anderson comes back, because I know he's headed out to do a rehab assignment in AA, um, I don't know what his timetable to return is. you got... Him kind of working his way back. You've got a Hendricks back probably after the All-Star break. So they might have to explore options like a six-man rotation, um, at least in, in different yeah. stretches. I think that would be a good idea, you know, because you had recently where Arietta kind of openly, um, you know, was pretty open about the fact that he thinks that the last two seasons of heavy use kind of wore him out, which is understandable. So. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do when post All Star break when Hendricks is back, Brett Anderson is probably back, and you've got six or seven guys who can reasonably start for you. Yeah, it's like a log jam situation, and I'm we're, I'm thinking now that Butler probably won't be. I assume he will go back to Iowa. Yeah, when the other people come back, I think that makes the most sense. Um, you. Yeah, he, I mean, he's not been bad, but you're, I think you're also seeing where he really struggles to get through three trips through the order. Um, and some of that just comes with experience and that kind of thing, but um, I think that, that he's the guy you got to send back to Iowa. He needs to get some more work in down there um, before eventually he comes back and he's a more permanent fixture in your rotation. Yeah, like the lack of control for Butler is really the big issue. He, he kind of reminds me of like a Jake Arrieta when he first came to the Cubs. It's, it takes him a lot of pitches to get through five innings because there's so many walks and balls and, you know, falling behind on the count that he, if he can learn how to get more command, more control, he could be a very good pitcher, but that could be worked out in Iowa, I think. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what he's got to do is he's got to go, go to Iowa and that's, he needs to work on that because – he next year maybe or he, who knows later this year um, he could really come back and be a, a much stronger presence in the rotation yeah and that's with, with Montgomery too it's just he's always had the stuff to be a great starter right. I mean 
that's why you get drafted in the first round of the draft. And is when you've got like. I was going to say, I, I know you. I mean, every Cubs fan has read Tom Verducci's book, and we all saw mm-hmm. the Clayton Kershaw-esque comparison that was dropped in there um, in reference to Mike Montgomery. Um, now, obviously, nobody expects Mike Montgomery to turn into Clayton Kershaw, but it just tells you it speaks to what the Cubs see in him. I think. Yeah, like Theo thought of him in that book, at least. Right. From the report, thought of him as a starter all the way, and that he was just going to ease him into the starting role. Yeah, and I think when he he joined the team last year, um, you know, he started a few times, but it was also a matter of need. You know, what what do we need right now? Um, Maybe our long-term vision for you is to make you a starter, but right now we need a lefty long relief in the pen, so that's what you're going to do. And thankfully, he's agreeable with that. He's, He's never protested that to my knowledge yeah and it's that's one of the advantages of living in montana the local team that they show here is the mariners oh so, so i actually saw team. a few okay. of montgomery's okay. yes he made a few starts at the end before the trade and he was pretty pitching pretty good yeah i remember one against the white Sox where he went like eight innings okay so okay so you got to see yeah you got to see a. Because most, I don't think many Cubs fans really knew much about him or knew who he was when that trade happened last summer. Um, so that's interesting. And I'm not saying I knew a lot about him, but I've heard of him. So which is more than a lot of people are like, what? And of course, he was part of the big Royals uh, Rays trade too. So right. And uh, okay, now we can move on from Mike Montgomery. Um, I was going to ask you, you as some people know, but. Other people might not know you're now a contributor for the Sporting News. Yes. And you wrote a big article about the Colorado Rockies. Yeah. They're maybe framing them as this year's Cubs. Kind of a little bit. Maybe. Yeah, I've got uh, some high hopes for them. Um, I, uh, you know, you looked coming into the season, I, I think a few people kind of pegged them to do well, but I think they've, they've so far exceeded expectations. So I had the chance. Uh, for the sporting news to go when the Rockies were most recently in Chicago and kind of hang out in their clubhouse and talk to the manager and several of the players and just get a sense for what they thought was going on, why they thought they were so successful. And it was interesting to hear their perspective on it. They say a lot of the things that you expect, like, hey, our pitching has been good, our our defense is good, we're hitting well, you know, all this stuff you expect to hear. Yeah, all the cliches. You know, nobody's surprised to hear that. But I think... The, the one guy who stood out the most to me was when I talked to Ian Desmond, and she talked about the clubhouse culture, and he made comparisons to the clubhouse culture with the Cubs. And his, you know, his words were, I don't, I don't think it's an accident that, or it's not a coincidence that Bud Black and Joe Madden were on the same coaching staff with the, with the Angels back in the day, because um, they overlapped for, I think it was three or four seasons in the, you know, 10, 12 years ago back in, uh, in Anaheim. So yeah. that part of it, I think, was especially interesting. Um, and then when Bud Black talked about how they're really working on teaching their pitchers, especially to not get flustered by some of the ugly innings that are bound to happen at course. And then, you know, Kyle Freeland, one of their starters that I talked to, you know, he backed it up. He said, it's just... You know, they teach you coming up through the minors. It's something you got to be ready for. 
And so when it happens, you don't get rattled by it. Exactly. And that's, that's another... I always notice the Rocky stuff because I have a lot of family in Denver and I always go down there to watch the Cubs Rocky series every year. Right. And I'm very familiar with the Rockies. And, of course, what you always hear when you're in Denver is always, we'll see. That There's been more than a few years where the Rockies have started out pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, May, June, and gotten to about the All-Star break and then tanked. Right. And a lot of people in Denver are always leery of this. And, but it doesn't feel like that the case with this team. Yeah, because there is that understandable kind of, you know, being a little hesitant about, like, are they really going to be able to keep this up? Because we've seen it before. Um, but when you, you talk to them, their mentality is, you know, we can play with anybody. We can, we can, we can do this. Um, I think the one thing that will stand in their way the most is they are in probably the toughest division in baseball right now because um, the Dodgers have just gotten absolutely red hot. I mean, they couldn't be playing any better than they are right now. So it could be kind of like the 2015 NL Central where you've got three really good teams and it's just a battle for who can grab those wild card spots. But I think they... Yeah, I was checking the um, I was checking the standings actually last night and the Rockies are and hold the second wild card right now. But they have an eight-game lead over the Cubs for the second wild card. Yeah, and so it could be, you know, it's going to come down to probably the last few days of the season. I don't think this is something that gets decided early on. Um, But I do think this year feels different for them. I think they've got the right pieces in place um, to to really go on a sustainable run. I I think they they can stick with it. Yeah, and they, they're just throwing a bunch of rookie young pitchers out there, and they seem to be handling it well. And that's the thing that, you know, you kind of you wonder, like, man, can these this crop of rookies really keep doing this? But like I said, I was I learned that they really worked work hard on mentally preparing these guys for the role that they're going to take. Um, and so I think rookies are not. They're equipped at least to continue pitching well during the regular season. Now, how they stand up to the pressure of a wild card game or even maybe a division series, um, that's a very different story. Because, I mean, who knows that better than, yeah. than us? We we watched the Cubs last year, who were one of the best, or were the best team in baseball, and they were real close to getting bumped in both of the series before they even got to Cleveland. Yeah. And that's kind of, I was so convinced that the Giants were going to be a threat this year. I said, the Cubs are going to lose to him in the division series, and well, they're a total disaster this year. So, I mean, just think about the idea that we're talking about a super competitive NOS, and the Giants aren't even a factor in it. It's kind of it amazing. It is weird that that's just like they've just kind of come unraveled so quickly, um, because change one or two plays in the division series and maybe they're the ones that go on to play the Dodgers um, and so yeah it's surprising and so part of me keeps thinking like are they going to just put it together and go on a crazy run and maybe the NL West gets even weirder than it already is um, right, they're probably too far back for anything serious to happen but it's, yeah that's been a big surprise too alright well um, this will be our final question so, as part of your new sporting news gig, you've gotten a couple times to be 
in the press box yeah. at Wrigley Field. <laughs> yeah. So that's got to be something. It is. It's it's definitely like a pinch myself moment because it's a goal that I've had for a long time. Um, so to be able to be in the clubhouse and talk to the players a little bit, um, it's been kind of surreal. Um, and, yeah, sitting up in that press box, it's it's pretty pretty amazing. Um, and it's, like I said, it's something I've had as a goal for a long time. So it felt really good that first time. Uh, to be up there, you know, however many times I'm, I'm doing that again, um, I'm going to savor each one. I'm going on Tuesday uh, to White Sox Yankees to work on a different story for Sporting News. So that'll be kind of fun just to do the same thing, but a di- in a different ballpark. Yeah. You get sneak preview on that? What, what are you covering for your story? Or do you have an idea yet for your story? Um, I've got... It's going to be interviewing... It's a few different things that I'm working on at the same time that I'm, I'm kind of two birds with one stone. So it's I'm, I'm going to be busy kind of floating back and forth between the White Sox and the Yankees clubhouses trying to get the, get the right guys because there's, just a, like I said, a couple of stories I'm, I've got in the works um, for Sporting News. So hopefully... Uh, well, I hope you can get to the bottom of... Whatever, yeah. I hope you can get to the bottom of whatever's going on with Aaron Judge because that is insane. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's going to be interesting. I think just to maybe get a chance to talk to him or at least interact with him a little bit, um, just to see what he's like. But um, it, yeah, we'll see. He uh, he's a big dude, so I'm a little nervous about you know walking up to him and you know introducing yeah. myself, but. I was going to say, when I went to Cubs Padres earlier this week, I had, I think my, the, the moment that was the most surreal was when I walked into the Padres clubhouse and Mark McGuire was standing right there. I almost ran into him. Yeah. Um, because I don't even, somewhere along the way, I wasn't even aware that he worked for the Padres. And so I opened the door and there he is. And he was like, he was a childhood favorite. I was a huge fan of the Oakland days of the late 80s. You know, the Bash brothers, Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire. So that was kind of, I had to, like, check myself for a second and, um, you know, not act as awestruck as I felt. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, hey, Mark McGuire, nice to see you. Um, just keep walking this way. No, yeah, no big yeah, deal. Yeah, play it off. Like, hey, oh, yeah, I, I hang around guys like you all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's all the questions I've got, so... Uh, if you've got any other final thoughts, um, anything you well, want to plug? I mean, as always, make sure you read Cubs Den for everybody's recaps. I know you you had the uh, the bad luck of recapping today's, you know, Sunday's ridiculous game, but uh, yes, those I did. Recaps, I think not not just to like see how each guy breaks down the game because I think we all do it a little bit differently, but also. Um, to have a place to react with each other. I think the comments section is always fun to read because it's one of the few places where you get some valuable stuff in the comments section. Not many places can say that. but uh, So Cubs Den, of course. VP uh, Wrigleyville, I don't do as much writing there because I'm kind of on the editing side of things there. Um, and then, of course, 2080 Baseball. I do a lot of minor league stuff there. And then um, yep. Sporting News. Uh, I've got a couple of things that will be coming here fairly soon so check me out there all right well thanks for coming on holy cow thanks for having me and um yeah no problem and 
That's all we have. Thanks for listening to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. We will be back next week.